Hey there, this is Peter Price on the campus of Huntington University, and you're listening to Rooted. Make sure you subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes, and you can catch us every Thursday evening at 7 on 105.5 WQHU. And as always, you can stream Forrester Radio anytime, anywhere on ForresterRadio.com or through the TuneIn app. Today I'm sitting down with Dr. Heller. And uh, I, I hear that you go to the uh, prisons a lot of times to go work with prisoners and stuff like that. Uh, what kind of stuff do you do there and how did you get involved in it? I got involved in 2007. All right. Uh, in 2005 or six, I saw a movie about Shakespeare in prison, and I said, I am going to go see this, and this was in Kentucky, and I took a group of students with me down in Kentucky, and for several years, I would go every year, twice a year, to visit the inmates in Kentucky as they would be working on Shakespeare, and then I would go back to watch them do their play. And then around 2011, I would go down for a week at a time and, and visit the prison in Kentucky every day of the week and work with them on whatever play they were doing next. I would put on my professor hat and go and teach this play for five days. And then in 2013, I asked the men in, in Kentucky, did they think I could do what they are doing if I could lead a group uh, doing Shakespeare in prison. And they thought that I could. And I contacted the officials at Indiana's uh, Pendleton Correctional Facility. And they said, let's give it a try. So on, in October 2013, we began Shakespeare at Pendleton, which is what I call the program that I lead. And uh, we have so far done two plays, and we're working on a third. So you you just you do plays with the prisoners. We uh, do. So what kind of plays do you do? Like Shakespeare plays, uh, just whatever look, looks so fun. So far, they have all been Shakespeare. Uh, we did the first uh, performance in a prison of a play that Shakespeare wrote called Coriolanus. Uh, there's a movie of Coriolanus with uh, Ray Fiennes as the character, uh, a very angry character. Everything that happens uh, sets him off. He he, uh, he's a warrior. He's also a mama's boy to a degree. And he just cannot contain his anger. And some of his enemies know this, so they always sort of poke at him, trying to get him uh, provoked and then starting a real problem. And uh, we worked with that play for about 18 months and did the first prison production ever of that play. We followed that with scenes from two of Shakespeare's comedies, uh, Much Ado About Nothing and uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream. Right now, this group of men, they really don't want to perform women roles. So I found all-male role uh, scenes in, the, in, in these plays. And we did the all-male scenes in these plays, uh, which are really rather funny anyway. So we did a show of comedies. And now we're just working on our third play. So, so with that first play you were talking about, with mm-hmm. the very angry guy. Yes. Uh, uh, to me, like from my perspective, I would think like a lot of prisoners would be angry because they're in prison. What was it like working with that play and having someone play this role? Uh, what was it like for them, for you to see this? Our lead actor for that play had along the way said that he actually needed anger management. Uh, 
uh, help and thought that the play itself was anger management training for him. Uh, At one point, he became not angry at us or angry at the program, but angry at something that had occurred within the prison. And he really didn't know what to do with that. And while we were rehearsing the play, he realized that he was, in fact, very similar to the character he was performing. So it helped him to sort of work through his feelings about about that anger and uh, see the destructiveness of it. Uh, that man, by the way, is out of prison now. I'm not going to say more about that. I need to mm. respect his privacy about that. Mm. But, but I think it's helped him to be ready to be out of prison. So that's part of the uh, intentions. So with, also along with that, what was it like for you to see this and hear about this uh, you hearing that one of the, I'll say one of your students mm-hmm. uh, who was having problems with this could let let out through a character. What was it like for you as uh, the I'd one seen, teaching him? I'd seen that before even working with the men in Kentucky. Uh, a, one, a few years ago, they did Romeo and Juliet. And the man there that played Juliet had been a white supremacist. And he said to the other men in the group that he chose to play Juliet because he wanted a role that would teach him about love. And so he played Juliet, and he was the ugliest man ever to play Juliet. There has never been an uglier Juliet on a stage. But it was beautiful in its own way to see this man be able to work with those that he used to hate uh, and learn how to... Uh, work towards a common goal with the men there. So, um, so with all these people you work with, mm-hmm. um, I remember last year hearing about you, uh, uh, like early 20, 2016, or late 2016 and uh, early 2017, you working with one of the prisoners uh, for getting a petition for his, for something. I forget all the details. The Would you... details. Well, I, uh, he, he was not someone I knew in the prison. Uh, he had actually been out for for uh, uh, almost ten years already, out of prison. He had been arrested. This his name was Keith Cooper, and I read about him actually in the newspaper. I had not met him, but I read about him in the newspaper, heard about his story, and it just really affected uh, affected me partly because of other things that I've worked on in the prisons and even teaching some of the literature that I teach. So he had been wrongly accused and had spent nine years, almost ten years, in prison for an armed robbery. And uh, circumstances were such that he made an agreement to get out of prison, but his agreement included that he could not appeal his conviction. So the only way he could clear his conviction as to declare himself to be... to be represented as an innocent man is to get a governor's pardon. Um, He is an innocent man. He did not do this armed robbery. We know that for a number of reasons. DNA evidence, eyewitness testimony, uh, any number of things say that this man, Keith, did not do this armed robbery. But he he couldn't defend himself because of the deal he made to get out of prison. So he needed a governor's pardon. And I put on on the web a petition that the governor would would pardon him, 
Uh, that at the time was Mike Pence, now the vice president. And unfortunately, Mike Pence never did pardon this man, but we kept the petition going after, after the election, and eventually we persuaded Governor Holcomb to, to pardon Keith. So he got his pardon a year ago in February, and uh, now he can say that he has not been, uh, uh, you know, he is not a convict on the charge of armed robbery. He can say that uh, honestly, and he, it was always true. He had never been an armed robber, but it's legal. He can say it legally now. He has not been that. And uh, he lives in the Chicago area, and he's uh, primarily now enjoying taking care of his grandkids. <coughs> and, uh, he, and, by the way, he's also suing Elkhart County, so we'll, we'll see how that works out. Did, did you ever get to meet Keith? I did. We met, we met three times, and I hope to. I do keep in touch with him, uh, and and his wife. I keep in touch with them, and and um, it affected him. It it was a trial. It was an ordeal to go through going to prison, and um, uh, being regarded as a convict for so many years. But uh, he's doing okay, I believe. Um, so with. All the stuff that you do uh, with people in prisons, with that uh, story about Keith, mm-hmm. what has has this stuff impacted you per, as a person? Uh, you ha, have have you seen uh, with all this stuff? Uh, mm-hmm. Seen with the people you work with? Uh, does does it does it ever like just hit hit home for you, or just you you feel something from them? It does. Uh, there are days when. I don't know how many people that, uh, you know, either yourself or those who will listen to this, I don't know how many people that this this will go to will have ever visited or been inside of a prison. But it can be very grim and depressing. But when you are there and you're working on something that teaches all of us uh, something about our lives, about anger, or in the in the comedies about funny things, uh, humor, stupid little things that characters say, or as we're working on a play right now, losing everything that you hold near and dear. All of these things are experiences that we have in common. Uh, I'm not a resident at Pendleton, but I realize and recognize as I work with the men how much we have in common. Uh, sometimes even what little it takes to be where they are. So it's interesting to sort of think through what their humanity is, and I try to respect that in, in my working with them, to not think of, well, I'll even go further than that. I don't ask them why they're there. Uh, they tell me if they want me to know. So I, I know that there are some that I work with who had committed murder or sex crime, but I don't, they, if I know this, it's because they told me. Uh, otherwise, our interactions are in the present. This is who they are now, and this is who I am, and let's see what we can show of each other in our lives. So uh, if this is like a, like, I'll say a ministry or just a, a thing people want to get mm-hmm. into. Is there ways for other people to do similar stuff to what you're doing? Or 
It's not easy. Uh, for one thing, Pendleton's 70 miles from here. So students have asked me if they can get involved in it, and I say it takes a lot of your time. But I would suggest if somebody wants to try to do something is to look far more locally. Uh, the Huntington County Jail probably has uh, uh, volunteer opportunities. Tutoring could be a possibility there. Uh, maybe a book group or a book club, uh, working maybe with a church that already visits the county jail. I don't know of those because I don't work personally with the county jail. I would consider it if I weren't already doing prison work elsewhere. But it is something that students can do. Uh, they just have to find and pursue those opportunities and later on uh, see what they can do uh, after they graduate. Right now I have a, a, an associate. Uh, this was a young woman who had been a student actually at Taylor University and uh, she had done theater there and she wants to work in this kind of setting and she has been very good with uh, showing the men how to act which is something I don't really know. Uh, we figure it out along the way but she has the skills so uh, she she's been able to do that. Prison volunteer work takes time, and it may not be time that's easy for students to have, but it may be available after they graduate and find their work schedules and then find a block of time when they can go and volunteer. While I'm thinking about it, though, there were two students a few years ago who spent their day term working at the prison. There were. They're not here anymore. They graduated. They, they were two social work majors, but uh, they, were, they had taken a field trip that I uh, do every year with the social work majors and then decided they wanted to be involved in that for a few weeks. So so uh, do you see yourself doing this, this type of work uh, for, a for, a long, for a long time to come? or? Well, I've already done it for a long time in some ways with starting in Kentucky and, and to now. It's 10 years at this point. But I, I, it's what I do. So I think I would continue to do it uh, maybe even after I retire, which is not soon. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I enjoy working on it and as much as I'm able to. I also can do other kinds of programs. If it's not Shakespeare, I could do a book group or readers group. Last year I started visiting a women's prison occasionally and what we do there is we'll just read uh, short stories or poems by a certain writer and I go and we'll spend two hours doing it just looking at the writer and what she, it had all been women writers so far, far what she is uh, about and we just have at it. We have class. <laughs> so if uh there's anybody who uh, just just is mind blown that this is even a thing, like that you can even do stuff in, in a prison, that you would even think about doing that. Mm -hmm. it's like someone who would be just too scared to go into a prison. What would you have to say to someone is like the, why it's not that as bad as people would originally think? The number one emotion or experience in prison is not fear, it's boredom. Uh, I got that from inmates. Yes, prison can be scary on occasion, but our neighborhoods can be scary on occasions. Uh, the real 
life in prison is boredom for years. So what the men and women, when I visit the women's prison, are looking for are things that enrich their lives. They're not out to get you. Okay, maybe one is, but that's out of 1,800 people who may be there. And that would be true outside of prison as well. So you keep your wits about you, and you don't worry about the one individual because others who want you there are going to be looking out for you. And I, I have never had anything that ever approached uh, harm to myself while I was in prison. Uh, things do happen there, you know, there that don't happen here. I've been in a prison, actually, when it's been locked down. And usually the most common reason for a lockdown is they miscounted the prisoners. It wasn't somebody got hurt or you know, a riot. There's never been a riot in anywhere that I've ever been, uh, you know, while I've been there. It's not the stereotypical things we hear about. Uh, so, yes, the first time, anybody would be nervous the first time. But after a few weeks, that goes away because you come to realize uh, the, the men that you're working with or men that you are in a way already familiar with because they're like those that you know at your homes and in your neighborhoods. Thank you, Dr. Heller, for joining us on this episode of Rooted, and thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Rooted on iTunes and SoundCloud, and remember, you can listen to Forrester Radio on 105.5 WQHU over the air in Huntington or go to ForresterRadio.com.